Welcome in lacrosse fans to the Utah Lax Report. I'm your host, Tim Haslam. I'd like to start off by giving a shout out to our sponsor, Vessel Kitchen. They are owned and operated by lacrosse loving people and make excellent food. Visit their website at vesselkitchen.com. The high school region rankings are complete. Thanks to all the coaches who sent in their votes. Here's a quick recap. On the girls' side in Region 1, Davis takes the top spot. The top spot in Region 3 belongs to Harriman, but Bingham received the same amount of first-place votes and will likely challenge the Mustangs for the crown. In Region 4, Lone Peak was voted first, while Farmington was chosen to win Region 5. Brighton was tabbed as the top team in Region 6, while rival Alta was chosen to win Region 7. Park City was unanimously chosen to take the Region 8 title, and Waterford and Mountain Crest were chosen to win Region 10 and Region 11, respectively. On the boys' side, Fremont was picked to win Region 1, while Bingham was chosen to win Region 3. Corner Canyon was a unanimous pick in Region 4, while Bountiful and Brighton were chosen in Region 5 and 6. Mountain Ridge was chosen to lead Region 7, while Park City was a unanimous pick in Region 8. Juan Diego and Green Canyon ran out the top vote-getters in Region 10 and Region 11. Please visit the website, utahlaxreport.substack.com, for more information and players to watch in each region. Also, there is a link at the bottom of the, to a survey about lacrosse fandom in Utah. This episode includes an interview with Craig Morris, who has worn many hats in the Utah lacrosse community. He currently serves as the athletic director at Waterford and has also coached at the high school and college levels. He was one of the key players in the sports sanctioning efforts. Here's Coach Morris. All right. Welcome to the show, Coach. How are you? Good, Tim. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. You you are, you know, there's very few people who are still uh, involved in the game as, as much as you. You've obviously done a, a ton for our sport here in the state. And so, you know, that you're one, someone I've wanted to talk to about lacrosse for a while. So I, I appreciate taking the time. And no, no problem at all. I love talking lacrosse and I uh, love talking about it here in Utah. It's been, been a fun ride since I've gotten out here. Oh, definitely. So, so let's, let's start from the very beginning. How did you get involved with lacrosse? You know, I, I moved out here from Manhattan, grew up in New York, moved out here really to ski and didn't know that I, that I would uh, see the lacrosse stick again when I came out, but I came out and my wife, Kathy, uh, who was my fiance at the time, got a job at Waterford. And uh, she told me, she, I think I saw kids with lacrosse stick out there on the on the quad and I just got you know a chance to swing by at one point and and see that they were out there they were in fact playing and a guy named Bob Kapner at Waterford he along with with Mason Goodhand I think were the the first ones to really try to organize or formalize lacrosse in the state at the school level you know I think there had been clubs up at the U and BYU and and you know a few other kind of club programs but they had gotten it started I think they worked on from my understanding, kind of the first grant from U.S. Lacrosse to get some sticks out here and some other stuff, and and so it was it was just kind of happenstance that I ended up and my wife ended up at the one place where a school had established some some connection to the game, so it was fun. And and I mean now, flash forward to today, you're at Waterford as, mm-hmm. as are you still the athletic director? You are right. I am. Yeah, this is my 26th year at Waterford. <laughs> okay. And, and I think, I think a lot of people, I don't know if they know this about you, but you're a state champion at, at the girls basketball level, were you not? 
I'm not a state champion at the girls basketball level. I do, I do coach girls basketball and we've had a couple of runs in the tournament, but we haven't gotten that far yet. Uh, the boys team has won a state championship, but yeah, I picked up coaching girls basketball when a coach had to, to take another assignment uh, in late October one year. And, and I've been doing it ever since really. The only exception to that were the years that I, that I took off when I was coaching at the U. Right. Right. Okay. So, so you started at Waterford, you were their, their men's lacrosse coach. What year did you, what, what year, what timeline was that? Oh gosh. I think our first Waterford, when it started, we, we were used to playing in the fall. That's kind of what worked with Bob Kapner's schedule because he was our soccer coach. And then they had the high school league and I actually coached with Mason, myself, Ron Bohard, a couple of old timers there. And I coached, I think the first or second year of the, of the high school league with kind of a pickup team that combined a few kids from Waterford that weren't playing soccer at the time in the spring. And then what went on to be the Murray high school program that won a state championship a few years back and a kid named Mark Chogany, who was uh, uh, kind of the impetus for getting the Bingham program started and, 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 and a great player who also went on to play at the collegiate level. So both at um, UMBC, I think it was, and, and BYU. But so I did that. I think that was probably 96 or something like that. And then I think we got going in earnest in 97 at Waterford in the spring in the high school season. So that was my first official season with Waterford there. And you coached uh, the the boys varsity team until you you took a position to coach at the University of Utah. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. And how many years did you coach at the University of Utah? Four years. Four years. Okay. And left. I I really enjoyed my experience up there, and really left because we had some holes to fill at Waterford again, and I needed to step back in to girls basketball coaching, and and so did that and uh, turned things over to Rick. And obviously you've seen what's, what's happened since then. It's been an absolute joy to see where that program has gone. So. Absolutely. You were definitely one of the, the keystones of that process. Talk about your time. Let, let's talk just about lacrosse in general, sort of in the late nineties, early two thousands, you know, the kids who are on high school rosters today, you know, let's talk about when, you know, at the times they were being born, the time where I was on the rosters, right. Yeah. <laughs> talk about lacrosse in those days. You know, looking back, you know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll dig through old film or, or something along those lines. And certainly the game was a lot rawer then, but there was so much excitement and so much enthusiasm for this kind of what almost felt like a rebel sport for a lot of these kids. They, they hadn't found their place in, in, you know, the other sports that were out there. And, it, you know, anybody who gets involved in this game know how quickly people can become passionate about it. And, and really, I, I think the game just evolved so much faster than I would have even expected. And the difference now is we have more youth programs. There's there's certainly better, you know, quality of lacrosse across a broader spectrum. But there were some great athletes that that picked up playing that game and and really started to play some quality of lacrosse pretty quickly in the state. You know, I know at Waterford we had the opportunity in the in the late 90s, early 2000s to start venturing out of the state, going to some larger tournaments, like tournaments in San Diego at the Polo Grounds and and got a chance to play, you know, schools from Texas and Baltimore and and stuff like that. And and all of a sudden, we were kind of holding our own in, in those in those settings. And it was just kind of fun to see that happen. Another major, I think, impetus in that uh, over the years was Team Utah. I was lucky enough to be involved with that with both Mason and Jason Lamb and and people along those lines. And and being at, able to get out and 
play against teams uh, from all over the country to watch great lacrosse. At that time, the Vail tournament was really the you know tournament to be at, to go to, to play in across the country. And those opportunities, I think, really helped propel the game forward really quickly at that time. And, and for those who don't know, Team Utah was essentially the only travel team in Utah. It was a hand-picked selection by yourself, by, by Mace, and you went to Vail, and that was it, right? There were no other tournaments. That was it. We have one tournament. We got done with the right, you know, the high school season. We would pick a team, practice for, you know, a few weeks from June into into the, I think the tournament was always like right around 4th of July. You go out to Vail and play in that tournament, bus out there and, and come back. And it was, it was really uh, an awful lot of fun. And we really started to, to get people to see what, what they could do in the game and where they could go. And we started having kids you know, having the opportunity to play beyond high school, both at the local collegiate level and and even a few kids getting a chance to travel and go play back east and other places like that. So, sure. Talk about what what was your favorite memory? Uh, you know, from those coaching the the kind of the first version of of Waterford. Well, I think uh, maybe my favorite memory was our first real high school season. You know, Waterford was still uh, relatively young in its athletic programs across the board and. And we kind of came out of nowhere in that first year and made a run into the state finals against Highland High School. And that game was played, I think, at Murray High School. It was a uh, double overtime game. We came back in the last, oh, maybe it was under 30 seconds, scored a goal to make it. We were down one, won a faceoff, went down, scored to tie it up in, the, in those last moments. And it was the first real opportunity for the school itself to be in a state championship format. So we had lots of people in the stands and and my wife was there and she was pregnant at the time and sicker than sick trying to watch all this and you know we ended up losing that game in double overtime but it was it was just a moment that that for me was was really joyful overall the kids had worked so hard we had we'd come far didn't quite get there kept us hungry and still look back on it all the time so sure yeah. And and I think that probably set the tone for Waterford lacrosse even now today. You know, when when we you play a Waterford team, you know what you're going to get, right? It's going to be fundamentals. You know, great passing and catching. All of the the basics are there, and and it's exciting to to always play Waterford. Yeah, I mean, we we certainly try to do it that way, and we've had I've had great fortune, you know, to be able to bring on people into the program that have bought into that philosophy, and Dave Bratton and now Jack Matthews that. Dave's still there working with Jack and they, they both love the game. They both appreciate the beauty of the game and want kids to learn it the right way. So it's a lot of fun to watch them take, take the program forward. So I, I just thought of this. Is Jack only the third head coach in Waterford history? He is. Wow. <laughs> not many coach, not many programs can say that most have had three coaches in three years. Yeah. And they all, they all put up with me, you know, uh, sticking my nose in every once in a while and, and trying to figure out what they're doing on the offensive or defensive end. And, and just, just, it's so much fun to sit around my office and just, just talk lacrosse with these guys. It, it's great. Jack's got an amazing back family background in the game. His, his family grew up in the game. His brothers and sisters all played. They played North Carolina. I think his brother just graduated a, a year or two ago and his sister played at a high level. I think maybe even on the U S national team and, and, uh, you know, it's just been in there. So uh, it's really, it's really take on that new personality. Definitely. And, and let's talk quickly, because you do have some stewardship with the girls team. Let's talk about, you know, how, how's the Waterford girls team going to be this year? 
You know, I think we should be pretty competitive. We uh, a couple of years ago, I think we we uh, kind of jumped up there and maybe surprised a few people. Um, we had some really good young t- um, uh, here and and some seniors that were that were graduating at the time and put those those pieces together and uh, and we really had a nice um, got great coaching there as well. Betsy Widener, who's come from uh, the the ball, um, took over. She played. Um, I think it was Bates. Um, and she played coach Ingrid Warner, who kind of got the ball rolling in the right direction. Um, she came out, switched schools. Ingrid went back and was was uh, at a school in New Hampshire, and she came out here and, and took over that program from her former teammate. Um, and it's been so much fun to work with them. And uh, we've got a couple of kids running as seniors this year that should be pretty special players. Um, one that, you know, Jameson is going to be going on to playing at Navy, and uh, Sarah Child is going to play. Uh, back east at Bard, and so we're really excited about the season coming up. We hope we can we can pick up somewhere near where we left off. Um, you know, it's a small school; it's a it's a challenge, and it, you know, it's definitely something that you know we probably will never be as deep athletically as some of the other programs out there. But if we can do things uh, again the right way and fundamentals right, I think we can be competitive. Absolutely, and and I have to ask you just one quick non lacrosse Waterford question. I recently found out that Waterford has a crew program we do we do how, how does that work coach I'm not quite sure Tim you know we had a, <laughs> we had a teacher here at the school who who uh began, he came out here again from the east coast and he had road crew and he said you know I really want to get a crew program started and I I took him outside and I I, I looked outside and we walked around and I said um Andy it's desert you know, <laughs> there's no water here, buddy. Um, and he kept pressing and pressing and, and found uh, some club programs at Salt Lake and convinced me to start, you know, can we get some kids out there on Saturdays? And we did that. And then we we expanded, um, you know, the next thing you know, we've got a crew program with, you know, about 25 kids a season. We row the guys in the fall and the, and the girls in the spring and they're growing on the Great Salt Lake or in the Jordan River Canal and traveling to regattas all over the country. It's pretty amazing. Wow. That, that is really cool. I, I think that's probably a whole other podcast that we could jump into, but um, all in sanctioning, right? Um, you, you know, on the game, sort of know your role, but maybe those who don't, just explain uh, your role with it and, then, and then sort of give a, a, you know, an overview of the sanctioning process because it was, it was years long. People, you know, may think that it was just a couple years, but it would have been 15, you know, years long in, in getting sanctioned. Yeah, um, you know, it, it had a process. And uh, early on, I think uh, the people involved in getting high school lacrosse up and running and organized here in the state always had a vision that they wanted the, the sport sanctioned at the high school level. And, you know, it was always set up, I think, with that intention and with, with that idea. I remember, um, you know, a director and, and knowing some of the folks at the UHSAA, I think I sat in on a meeting with Mason, uh, myself, and Elle, who was a former director uh, quite a while ago at the UHSAA, and started to talk about what the process might look like to get lacrosse sanctioned. And, you know, it was a pretty tangled web, quite frankly, for a long time. Um, no sports at HSAA. There really wasn't a defined process for that. Um, and so there were it's that that kind of happened in swells over the past 15 or so years and trying to see how we could we could get that to happen. And much of it would be surrounded by, 
you know, trying to look at the number of schools playing and how that fit in a 50% category, either within the state or in the, in a classification or, you know, a number of different formulas that were people were trying to apply to this, but there really wasn't a consistent path that anybody could point to, to how to get a new sport sanctioned at this point. Um, Emperor, where the process really started to begin with. Um, as the girls program uh, programs grew over years, uh, and that we could offer to add both uh, men's and women's programs um, to, to the sanction, that was certainly helpful. And then after, um, if you remember the kind of split high school programs uh, a few years back, one of the things that unanimously agreed upon as we tried to bring uh, programs back under one roof, so to speak, was the idea that people really still wanted this game to be sanctioned. They wanted it within their high schools. They wanted the recognition, the support that comes with, with that process and also understood that really for this game to take the next growth level, that that would need to happen. And it was a unanimous kind of you know thing on both sides of those high school leagues that were going at that time when we came back together to put a sanctioning committee together. Um, and I think uh, this kind of final part of the saga really happened. And, and we had a great group of people involved in working on that. I was, I was uh, thrilled to be a part of that. Um, by this time, I'm currently on the executive committee at the UHSAA. So I was starting to learn the ropes a little bit more. I've been there for a while on how the, the process works there and how we could try to get some movement. Um, and we just cogging away at it and met regularly and I was able to at least figure out how we could get in front of those groups, both the board and the executive committee. And we made presentations, we made one to the executive committee, um, you know, that opening. And I, I thought we made a great presentation, but it was still very much in doubt about where it would go and how we might get there. Um, but to allow us to speak directly to the board. Um, and we had done a great presentation that we had gone in there with um, and we were able to make board and um, quite all of our surprise, uh, the board heard that and just acted upon it almost immediately. Um, and I think the process walked out of that meeting and wasn't quite sure that we had just heard what, what had happened. And they, and they, they just kind of felt like, yeah, it really was time. Um, and uh, we were able to get it to happen. We waited the two years, you know, for a new realignment. We were able to do that. And I think that was probably a really good thing in hindsight. If, at first, it felt like a long ways away. Why do we have to wait another two years to, to make it happen? Um, but in how the teams, programs, and high schools really all to, to kind of bring these uh, teams under their wing. Uh, and, uh, and last year, obviously, we were all ready to go. And uh, the world had a little different, um, you know, being a lacrosse piece as it did just about everything else, right? So, uh, we've had to wait just a little bit longer to, even though the first season officially started, um, really looking forward to this year and, and getting a full season in of high school sanctioned lacrosse state championships and all that will be a part of that. And um, just, I, I, I can't tell you how much I believe that this will change the nature of the game. Um, I think we had teams, 48 teams when the sanctioning process was approved. Um, and uh, I think it's 70 plus teams before we know it. Um, and I think it would continue to grow and, uh, that's all we want. It's, it's such a difference in all of our lives and, and the opportunity to do that with other kids, other schools and programs throughout the state is really fun. 
Absolutely. And, and I remember uh, after that meeting at the board, I remember Bray called me, Bray Burbage, and said, Tim, I, I think we just got sanctioned. <laughs> will, will you write a press release for us? And I was like, sure. Like, what are you talking about? You know, because it was sort of just random and, and just sort of happened. And they said yes. And it was amazing. Yeah. And, I, you know, I also can't um, discount how much how important it probably was that this coincided almost, you know, equally parallel with um, the U on the program as a, as a full NCAA program right in that same year. And I just think the press there, the buzz that was going on, the, it just legitimized the sport, just that final piece that we needed, I, I think um, really allowed other within the state to say, oh, wow, this really is a, a real thing, a big thing. And, and there are opportunities out there. So it was fun to see that happen all at the same time. Definitely. And, and I think those of us involved in, in the game knew that, that there could be some growing pains uh, with sanctioning. You know, what, what are some of the things that you're seeing out there and, and kind of how do we overcome them? Um, programs were able to kind of uh, work within selling uh, uh, their own making, uh, the ability to kind of set their own budgets and, and you know, uh, work with coaches that way. I think bringing that into the, a school system um, challenging, but from my understanding, for the most part, those transitions have gone really smoothly. Um, our, our program beginning to get used to working with athletic directors rather than parent-led boards and, and, you know, and, and getting parent booster clubs to get involved in their high school programs that, that ends up benefiting, you know, everybody across the board. So I think most of the, the immediate growing pains were going on. I think there's always some frustration about, well, we could do this when it was just a club program and, you know, we could go to this tournament. And then the other factor was the question of whether or not you could play unsanctioned high school teams. And uh, we, you know, obviously had had a history playing other club high school programs, both in tournament play and, and some travel opportunities that way. And, um, those had to be curtailed a little bit. And, and I think there was some frustration about the idea of that. But I, I think as things are kind of rounding into form, um, I don't hear as much about all that anymore. So I think overall, it, it's been really positive. Uh, need more officials on the girls' side. I know we need, need more officials on the boys' side. You know, just the, the general growing pains of any sport. And that's, that's out there. I can tell you that they're, they're saying the same thing still 20 years into the soccer uh, uh, programs at the high school level. And, and along that line, you know, a couple of things, be nice to the refs out there, right? Um, there is a real problem that we, and we do need more refs. Um, you know, I had someone ask me 10 years ago, what would it said if every program just had one more person do something outside of their program? Um, I, I think that would pay a lot of dividends. You know, we, parents come and go, and obviously they're invested in their kid and they love the sport, but then they, they kind of disappear, you know? And, and so if there's people out there listening or in a position to help who, who love the game, then that's what I would recommend. Go, go and help do something outside of your own program. And, and that'll really help the game grow. Yeah. Or even, even at other levels in your program, I still think the mm -hmm. growth at the youth level um, has still got a long ways that we can go. Um, I would love to see more programs develop more levels in, uh, within the state. So if you're, you want to get involved and you were involved in the high school programs, you know, there's nothing quite like putting a stick in a kid's hands for the first time. So get involved in, in the youth programs, get involved in supporting those activities. Um, and, and I think the joy will come back to you tenfold. I would suggest that.
And, and, you know, sort of along those lines, and along with sanctioning and, and all that, the rules, right, we're in our two-week period right now, which is, uh, you know, foreign to a lot of us. Um, but then also this concept, you know, in, in limited roster. Uh, my question, Coach, is, is there's going to be, you know, programs here in the next have to make decisions on, on actually cutting kids, where that may, may not have been a thing in the past. You're looking at that, you know, let's say you have a junior that's at one level and you have a freshman who's at another, and maybe they're on the fringe. What what do you look for? Who, you know, who are you going to take in that in that scenario? I, I think every first off, every coach probably looks for something a little bit different. Um, but that is the hard balance trying to figure out how to um, reward and honor the kids who have put in time in them. You know, some of some of that's always easy because kids, you know, will stand out, and those those are easy to reward and and sure. to, to give them opportunity. But the other kids, an opportunity to play. Um, and whether or not that comes at the expense of developing, right? And uh, so you're always trying to weigh, you know, where are they going to get there the, they can um, in the moment. Um, if they're being brought up to a high city program at a freshman or a sophomore level and uh, play just a little bit, you know, the question is, would they or should they be better served if they just focused uh, at the maybe at the JV program level and took on leadership responsibilities there as opposed to, to the other? Um, Fortunately, in the state, you know, kids are allowed to be on both rosters and varsity and and, you know, so you can you can have some flexibility to make that happen. But cutting kids is always the most difficult part uh, for any coach. Um, I am in a fortunate position of effort in some ways, finding about the other end. We'd love to have a few more kids to work with. Uh, so we haven't had to make cuts really within our program. Um, but in the few instances, for instance, in basketball programs where on the court, that's always the, the hardest piece for any coach. And, and uh, you know, I, I hope we err on the side of keeping as many kids, the rosters and involved as possible um, and have honest, open conversations with them about what the reward might be. It might be that, that be being part of a team, practicing with the team every day, still continuing to get better and being part of something bigger than yourself, rather than how much playing time it's going to absolutely equal out to are always difficult conversations. Um, they were difficult uh, at every level that I've been involved in, and they'll remain a part of high school sports, I think, unfortunately, until more schools and we can spread them out just a little bit further. Sure, definitely. I I know for me personally, I was I didn't make the golf team uh, my freshman and sophomore years, but I made it my junior and senior years, and I feel like I had the same experience, if not better, because uh, it was something that I I knew that I worked at and, and really earned instead of just being granted uh, that freshman year. So, well, and, and, but there's a there's a lot of stories there with an awful lot of pretty high profile athletes who have gone through much of the same experience, and uh, it certainly can grow a hunger and, and and people are better served for it in the long run. Definitely. Let's let's uh, quickly about your time at Utah. You spent four years there coaching the MCLA program. What was something that that kind of caught you by surprise with the MCLA or or just coaching college? What was what was something that that you kind of took out of that experience? Um, I think the first thing I took out of the experience was the quality of the of the young men that were. Quite frankly, I was nervous about leaving a a high school program, especially one at Waterford, where so well supported by the school itself and. Um, and, uh, you know, they had approached me actually, uh, two years prior to that to take, and I down and just said, I just don't think I can do it. Um, and, uh, they came back a couple of years later and my biggest concern was of a gram and would it be, you know, just a bunch of guys who are showing up when they, whenever they felt like it, hanging out, playing some, and then, 
you know, growing up back East, the big thing was, you know, you'd play club ball, you know, whatever it was, and then you'd head to the local tavern, you know, after games and stuff like that. And I wasn't, you know, particularly interested in that and was assured that that wasn't what they were looking for. And that wasn't what this whole league was about, but I had very little experience with it personally. Um, and I got up there and I was just blown away by the commitment level of the kids that were involved in the program. The fact that they were going to school full-time, working hard at that, doing well in school, um, paying quite frankly, quite a bit of money to be involved in a, in a college cleaning and raising money to make that happen, to make a budget happen to, um, you know, and then many of them were also working jobs on top of these other two commitments. And, and we're practicing, you know, at, at crazy hours. I mean, we're practicing at early mornings, uh, 10 o'clock at night, uh, you know, whenever we could get field time and gym time and indoor time and all of that. And, and they're committing that and having to pay to do that. I was just blown away by the, by the, the character of, of the guys I was, I had the opportunity to work with. So that was such a pleasant surprise. It just wasn't a group of yahoos. They had a vision for what they wanted this program to be. I hopefully helped them execute that, but their leadership um, was, was um, so evident from, from my first moment out there. Um, it was something that, that are to this, to this, they're great guys. I love going to the games now running the stands and, and, uh, and see the pride that they feel that, you know, I think justifiably a part of as they see an NCA, you know, you lacrosse team out there, well, they're still wearing those same colors and uh, maybe still wearing, at least for a while, they were some of the same uniforms the club guys were wearing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just something they feel like they've helped sustain and build and get to a point where it could go to where it is now. It's fun to see. Um, the quality of the competition was amazing too. Um, you know, the, the league itself, much better uh, run and, and the opportunities that were there across the country. Um, you know, I, I think I was, I was even unfamiliar with coming from the high school ranks. So it was, what was, what was your favorite game or, or favorite memory from those times? Well, it's hard not to think about the BYU games, although we didn't have uh, the success or the memories that we would have liked to. But but the excitement around those games were an awful lot of um, we had some great, I think, upset wins uh, in my tenure there, you know, going on the road and early on um, was an awful lot of fun. Uh, I think we had some 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 uh, and Simon Fraser. I remember one night into our facility there with a great game against them and winning winning a, a kind of an upset game there and. And uh, I think being in the conversation to go to that, to go to the national tournament, I think we had, we had taken a step forward and felt like we were on the right path as, as uh, my tenure was ending, but, um, and the road trips were just fun. We, you know, it was fun to go out there and challenge some of the best teams, you know, our league, the collegiate lacrosse world was the best league in the country. And uh, we knew we'd be challenged uh, game in and game out there. So it was an awful lot of fun to try to rise to that. Definitely. And, and those were some fun Utah times, uh, you know, watching the, watching the team out there uh, competing. Definitely. I, I, all those games you mentioned, I remember. So uh, talk, talk to us just in, any other lacrosse uh, related stories or, or questions or up here. Well, you know, to me, it's just, I think the, the thing that really sticks out in my mind now, as I, as I look at my, my time here, is just I love driving through neighborhoods around here, going to to visit a friend here and there, and just seeing the the lacrosse nets and the and the evidence of lacrosse all throughout the community. Um, and it, you know, I 
like I said, when I moved out here, I didn't, I didn't know that I'd ever, and you know, I, I, I did have my stick, you know, you never, you never don't bring your stick uh, somewhere. So I had my stick in an old bag of equipment, but I didn't think I'd ever use it or see it. It was more just for sentimental purposes and, and to see how it's become really a part of the community and especially here in the Salt Lake Valley uh, to see that evidence on a, on a regular basis is an awful lot of fun. And uh, uh, you know, I'm excited where it's going to go from here. Definitely. And, and you're one of the original and, and coach Goodhand retiring. Uh, you know, you do have a little bit of an unfair advantage because you're part of the, the admin, in my opinion. But <laughs> well, I'm so fortunate at Waterford to to be at a place where you know I could have my day job, so to speak, and and do what I needed to do, teaching and administrating, um, and still get to play with my passion. And and that that is uh, it, it's been a an amazing experience for me, a great reward. And and uh, I know I'm a pretty lucky man to have done that. I've gotten some call. From, from guy with back east who found out what what you know my world is ends up as and and uh, you know just wondering well how, how did you get into that and how can I do the same thing I'd love to to have been able to stay involved in the game and 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 though I know I'm pretty fortunate and Timmy really I, I want to thank you for all that you do for the game I you, you know your passion for it is so obvious um, and you've been involved in trying to 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 grow this game to to spread the word uh, the gospel so to speak uh, every every manner uh, of, of incarnation of this. And, and I, you know, I, I think uh, we all owe you a great deal of uh, gratitude for what to, to help us accomplish. Uh, it wouldn't have been done without the word getting spread and, and you've been instrumental in that. So thank you for, for everything that way. Thank you. I appreciate it. it. It definitely is a passion, whether my wife likes it or not. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. <laughs> Thanks coach. Appreciate it. Take care.